Let's turn in our Bibles this morning to Psalm 45. Psalm 45 was at the very heart of the coronation service of the Queen in June 1953. I told the children this morning that the word Queen is found in the Bible 55 times. And here's one of those references. Let's read God's word together. Reading, of course, from the authorized version. Psalm 45, verse 1, My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Therefore God hath blessed thee forever. Gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, with thy glory and thy majesty. And in thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness. And thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. King's daughters were among thy honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. Hearken, O daughter, and consider, and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship thy him. And the daughter of Tyre shall be there with a gift. Even the rich among the people shall entreat thy favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is of wrought gold. She shall be brought into the king in raiment of needlework. The virgins, her companions that follow her, shall be brought unto thee. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought. They shall enter into the king's palace. Instead of thy father shall be thy children, whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. And I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore shall the people praise thee forever and ever. Amen. We know that the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own most precious and infallible and inerrant word. Now my text this morning is taken from Psalm 45 and verse 9. King's daughters were among thine honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. 
Now, I've entitled today's message, Honoring Our Faithful Queen. On the 6th of February, 2022, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II became the first British monarch to celebrate a platinum jubilee. The date, the 6th of February, officially marked 70 years of faithful service. Hence the title, Honouring Our Faithful Queen. And I've taken the title from a book that's on the display stand at the foyer of the church, Our Faithful Queen. You see, on the 6th of February, 1952, Queen Alexandria Mary Windsor became queen on the death of her father, King George VI. Now, I believe that Elizabeth was not born to be queen. Her, her father had little uh, expectation of becoming the sovereign. But in the providence of God, in the end of 1936, her uncle, Edward VIII, had abdicated the throne. And immediately her father became king, George VI. Now, even then, she might have expected to be middle-aged uh, before becoming queen. But her father was just 56 years of age when he died, the 6th of February, 1952. So on that date, arrangements began almost immediately for the coronation of Elizabeth II. New coins were uh, to be minted. Uh, new stamps produced, new robes to be made, new help was uh, required to prepare the young mother of uh, age 25, a young mother of two, to prepare literally, mentally, physically and spiritually to accede to the throne of the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth. And to this end, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Geoffrey Fisher, wrote and presented to the young Elizabeth a little book of private devotions. These were short daily meditations with appropriate Bible readings and prayers. They, they spanned a total of 33 days. There was only a dozen ever copied of those uh, um, little book of private devotions. So on the 2nd of June, 1953, in Westminster Abbey, Elizabeth was anointed, crowned, and enthroned as our queen. Westminster Abbey, by the way, was the setting for every coronation since 1066. You remember that in history, young people? The Battle of Hastings, long time ago. And the very wording of the coronation descends from that which was used at the coronation of King Edgar in 973 AD. You see, a 70th anniversary is called a Platinum Jubilee. A Platinum is one of the uh, world's valuable metals. It's highly precious. It's very rare. And Her Majesty has, has reigned longer than any other British monarch in history. And 2022 has been described as the platinum year. And um, events have taken place throughout this year, culminating in a four-day UK bank holiday. And that holiday commenced uh, on Thursday, the 2nd of June, and it concludes today. This is the fourth day. And we have celebrated the event. We had a children's party here on the eve of the Platinum Jubilee, Wednesday night, and the children thoroughly enjoyed it. 
We had what we call the Platinum Royal Tea Party here on Friday afternoon, and we could really say a, a good time was had by all who were present. And then this morning, I'd already decided that I would preach on the subject, honouring our faithful Queen. Now, we do plan a, a barbecue later on in the year for the young people, and that will bring everybody together. I believe this morning it's right and proper that we return thanks to Almighty God for his wondrous grace shown toward Elizabeth II in her 70th year. We thank God for her long reign. We thank God for her long lifespan. And you see, as I thought of the Platinum Jubilee, it caused me to remember the words in Psalm 45, verse 9, King's daughters were among thine honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. And it causes us to obey the scriptures which says, honor the king. In other words, honor the reigning monarch of the day. That was Paul's exhortation, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Now, how do we do that? Let me suggest some ways. Here's how we honor our faithful queen. Firstly, we receive her saviour. Do you know that from an early age, the queen has made a credible profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and saviour? And I'm indebted to Robert Fairburn and the Good Book Company. He wrote a book called Queen Elizabeth II. And it's very interesting when you actually put together the compilations of things that the queen has said about her faith and about the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we go right back to when she was a young woman, mother of two, 25 years of age, preparing to become queen, and Geoffrey Fisher, the archbishop, writing and preparing that little book, the little book of devotions, full of scripture references, prayers for her to offer, 33 days span, add into that the coronation service, which started, by the way, with the uh, words of Psalm 122, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go up into the house of God. Think about the coronation prayer and what was contained therein. Do you know that the Queen Mother uh, taught uh, Elizabeth and her sister Bible stories? Do, do you know that the Queen was brought up to learn the Bible? That, that the queen has a well-worn Bible at the side of her bed. I told that to the children. If we were to creep into her bedroom, we would discover not only a Bible, but a well-read Bible by the side of her bed. And she spends time in private devotions, offering praise and prayer to the Lord every day. Now, let me add this. Think of her Christmas broadcasts. The queen openly and unashamedly talks about her Christian faith. Listen to this. In 2002, I rely on my faith to guide me. I know that the only way to live my life is to try and do what's right, to give of my best in all that the day brings, and to put my trust in God. In 2011, she said, God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important as they are, but a saviour with the power to forgive. In 2012, she said, this is the time of the year when we remember that God sent his only begotten son into the world to serve and not to be served. 
Quoting, of course, from Mark chapter 10. And then in 2014, she said this, For me, the life of Jesus Christ, Prince of Peace, whose birth we celebrate today is an inspiration and an anchor in my life. You see, from an early age, young people, Queen Elizabeth II, she has professed that Jesus Christ has her Lord and Savior. She is him for her anchor. She is him as her inspiration. There was a time in her life when she chose to receive him. And she received him to be her Lord and Redeemer and promised and vowed, and this is what she did in publicly in her coronation, to serve him all the day of her life. What about you? Do you know that in her coronation, she offered these words in prayer? I, Elizabeth II, by the grace of God, for the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland and other realms, undertake in an obedience of a call from God to sacrifice personal preference and private life to adopt a life of duty and service in obedience to the call of God. She said, I've not chosen this office for myself. This office was chosen by God for me. On her 21st birthday, 75 years ago in her first broadcast, she asked for prayer. She said this, pray that God may give me wisdom and strength to carry out the solemn promises I shall be making and that I may faithfully serve my Lord and Savior and you all the days of my life. See, sometimes young people ask me, how can I be a good citizen? And we want to be good citizens. And here's the basis. Here's the very foundation of being a good citizen. That is, as a citizen of our country, making a credible profession of faith in Jesus Christ. And because you live your life in the knowledge that you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, then your mindset and motto is that you live to serve the Lord Christ. So it's very important, young people, it's important, boys and girls, that, that, that you have a time in your life when you can acknowledge that you've bowed the knee and you've received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And when the Bible tells us, honor the reigning monarch, here's one way that we do that. We receive that monarch's Savior. The second way that we honor the monarch is this. We respect her sovereign. You see, from a young age, even before she was married, Elizabeth, and after she was married, as a young mother of two, her life has lived in the full glare of public gaze. Could you think of that? Every word is scrutinized. Every deed has been observed. Every place that she goes, she's in full glare of the public eye. There's a camera somewhere taking a picture, and the, the attitude is, the camera doesn't lie. She's probably the most scrutinized woman in the world, and probably the most criticized woman in the world, probably the most talked about woman in the whole of the United Kingdom and beyond. You see, sadly, many have forgotten the Bible warning not to speak evil of dignitaries, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 10. It many appear to be rash and rush to public judgment and comment. And they're quite happy to criticize the monarch, those that rule over us, 
openly and disparagingly. And they've forgotten this. And this is what they've forgotten. And remember this when you rush to judgment. We too are sinners. I remember the president of the Faith Mission Bible College, Dr. Reverend Colin Peckham, who's now in the glory. He used to say this, Woe unto me, Lord, for I too am a man. You see, let's remember our human frailty. Queen Elizabeth II, our faithful queen's a wife. She was a mother. She's a granny, a grandmother. And like all of us, her majesty has her flaws and her feelings. And because, like us, she's a human being, she too, therefore, was born a sinner in need of a saviour. And our Christian duty is to honour her. How do we honour her? We're to pray for her. Isn't this what the Bible exhorts us to do in 1 Timothy? And in chapter 2, we read, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet, peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And then taking in 1 Peter 2 and 17, honor the king. And the king at that time was Nero. He was the emperor. And what a wicked despot he was. And yet, prayer was to be offered for him. He was to be respected, even in that office where God had put him. You see, at our coronation and in our national anthem, the words used in Old Testament times at Israel's coronation of kings, they're repeated. And you know what the words are? God save the king. Now, that's a prayer. And what do we mean when we say God save the king? We're owning the king as our king. We're we're saluting the king. We're respecting him. We're, We're praying for the king. We're asking that God will give him a long reign over us. That he'll enjoy health and happiness and peace and prosperity. And that we too as citizens under his reign, we will enjoy that too. You see, this Platinum Jubilee is also an opportunity to fulfill our Christian duty to honor the monarch. Do you know that the words, God save the king, are repeated eight times in the Bible. The first reference is 1 Samuel, and in chapter 10, and in verse uh, 24. And we read there, in 1 Samuel chapter 10, and verse uh, 24, uh, these words, And Samuel said to all the people, See ye him, whom the Lord hath chosen, that was Saul, that there is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God save the king. Do you see the significance? Every time we say, God save the queen, it's really a prayer. And we're saying, we are one of her subjects. We own her as our queen. We we have respect and reverence for her. We are praying for her. That she'd be long to reign over us. Give us health and happiness, peace and prosperity under her reign. We also remember her sacrifice today. You see, I was greatly struck, young people, with the motto of Elizabeth II. If we were to 
um, asked the Queen in person if it was possible that she could be present amongst us. Her Majesty, what is your model for life? I believe it would be this. Live to serve. Was not part of the broadcast that was on television on Friday. Listen to these words. 21st birthday, Elizabeth II. She broadcast to the Commonwealth the following. I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, will be devoted to your service and the service of our great imperial family to which we all belong. God help me to make good my vow. And God bless all of you who are willing to share in it. You see, what was the young princess doing? What was she saying, young people? She was offering herself to a life of service, a life of sacrifice on the altar of love for the nation and for the commonwealth. She took special note that it was God himself had placed this mantle of responsibility upon her. She hadn't chosen to be queen. She believed that God providentially chose her to be queen. And over the past 70 years, I believe she's done her best to fulfill her duty as head of state. And I want to publicly, on your behalf, thank God for her dignity of life, for her devotion to duty. I believe she is loved and respected by millions in this United Kingdom and the lands beyond. We remember her sacrifice. Live to serve. What's your motto? Paul's motto was this, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Because she had received Christ as her Lord and Savior, lived in dependence of him, strength and help and wisdom, then she could say, I live to serve. Remember Paul says, I serve the Lord Christ. And you see at home, young people, in school, in university, in the workplace, wherever you are, you could adopt this motto. I live to serve because I'm a Christian, because I, I'm serving the Lord Christ at home, school, university, wherever I am. I'll be a saver of good, and I will do my best out of love to live for the well-being of others. I'll put others first because God is at the center of my life. Something else very quickly. We honor the monarch today as we regard her sufferings. You see, during her long reign, Queen Elizabeth II had her share of troubles and pain. I want you to think of her favorite hymn that we sang today. Praise my soul, the King of heaven, to his feet thy tribute bring. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, who like thee is praised should sing. Listen to verse 2. Praise him for his grace and favor. To our fathers in distress. Praise him still the same forever, slow to chide and swift to bless. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, glorious in his faithfulness. Now that hymn was written by Henry Francis Light. Did you know that he was born in Scotland? He was educated at Portora School, Royal School in Enniskillen. He became an Anglican minister of Brixham. That's the very place where King William III landed in 1688. And this hymn was special to the Queen. It was sung at her wedding, November the 20th, 1947. And in fact, the, the November the 20th, 1947, was the exact date of the 100th anniversary of Henry um, Francis Light's death. 
and he took the Psalms, 150 of them, and he gave a rendition of those Psalms, I think it was 81 in total, and they were produced into hymns. And one of them was Psalm 103, upon which hymn number six in her hymn book, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven, is based. And it's really a hymn of self-exhortation to oneself to praise the Lord. Why? One of the reasons for his greatness is not to ignore the dark side of life. Praise him for his grace and favor to our fathers in distress. You see, Christian experience wrestles with trials and troubles, sorrows, pains, heartaches. Praise him for his grace and favor to our fathers in distress. Father, like he tends and spares us. You see, the Queen's had her horrible years too. Way back in 1992, remember she described that year as Ananas Horribilis. Father, fire at Windsor Castle. Marriages of three of her children, three of her four children, broken down, ended in divorce. That's painful, isn't it? And then you, you, you think of the death of Princess Diana and the impact that that had in the life of the nation. You think of those who are anti-monarchists and the criticism in the news and, and in the papers. You think of the recent episode of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle and their departure from the royal family. Think of the death of her beloved husband, Prince Philip. And you see, she has had her share of trials. She has had her share of troubles. Uh, and, and where does she go for help and strength? Do you know that every week she was found in the house of God? And that's so important for us to set an example. And young people, you, as far as health and strength gives you enablement, you should be in the house of God on the Sabbath day. Because remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And in the house of God, you can ask for God's help and God's wisdom and God's strength. But besides that, every day she read her Bible. Every day she had a time of private devotion and offered prayer. And she actually said this, prayer has sustained me all these years. You see, she was leaning on a greater king, king of kings and lord of lords. We have a regard for her suffering. One final thing, we rejoice in her symbolism. You see, I want to take you back to the coronation service in 1953. I want you to think of the symbol she received during her anointing, coronation, and enthronement, and their deep spiritual significance. Think of this. First of all, there was the presentation of the Holy Scriptures. A copy of the Scriptures was given to Her Majesty at her coronation. And this is what was said. Our gracious Queen, to keep Your Majesty ever mindful of the law and gospel of God as the rule for the whole of life and government, of Christian princes, we present you with this book, the most valuable thing the world affords. Isn't that amazing? And of course, was not following the example as we read it there in 2 Kings 11 and 12, the actions of the high priest when he, he crowned um, Jehoash and he gave him a copy of the law of God and said something similar. There's the presentation of the Holy Scriptures. What a wonderful treasure the Bible is. Oh, that our nation could rediscover the valuableness of having a personal copy of the Bible 
Not as a souvenir, not as a secret um, little amulet, but, but as a book to be read and loved and studied and followed. Think also of the anointing of oil. You see, like Israel's kings, Elizabeth II was anointed with oil. Psalm 45 and verse 7 says, Thou loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. This was part of a ceremony. It wasn't seen in national television. This is what was prayed as the anointing oil was poured on. Bless and sanctify thy chosen servant, Elizabeth. Strengthen her, O Lord, with the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, the Spirit of Wisdom and Government, the Spirit of Counsel and Strength, the Spirit of Knowledge and True Godliness. Give her strength to serve. How? Not in herself, but in the power of the Spirit of God, because oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And we who are born of the Spirit are dwelt uh, with the Spirit, uh, and, and therefore we, we serve in the power and energy of the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, putting on the imperial robe. There's an imperial robe put on the queen during the coronation. And this is what was said, receive this imperial robe, and the Lord God endue thee with knowledge, wisdom, with majesty and power from on high. The Lord God clothed you with the robe of righteousness and the garment of salvation. Now, where did those words come from? Did they not come from Isaiah 61 and verse 10? You see, young people, here's a robe of greater value and a robe of greater importance. Not just an imperial robe to make you queen, but a robe of righteousness, which the Lord Jesus gives to all who put their faith and trust in him. Clothing you with the garment of salvation so that you can be accepted before God and accepted by God. The greatest royal robe in the world is, is the robe of righteousness, the garment of salvation, when you put on Jesus Christ by faith. See, it's very significant. Think of this, the delivering of the orb. Do you know that the orb, the scepter, had a cross on it? It was put into the queen's right hand. This is what was said. Receive this orb set under the cross. And remember that the whole world is subject to the power and the emperor of Christ, our redeemer. Remember you're under the rule of Christ as king of kings, as queen of this land. And all of your subjects are under the rule of him who's king of kings and lord of lords. See, why in the delivery of the orb was an orb with the cross? Because the Lord Jesus gave himself at Calvary. You've got to think of his once and for all sacrifice for sins. Remember his shout of a king as he died. It is finished. And he is king of kings this morning. He's a radical king because he's king of the Jews. He's a national king because he's the king of Israel. He's a moral king because he's the king of righteousness. He's an eternal king because he's the king of the ages. He's a universal king because he's king of heaven and earth. He's a celestial king. He's the king of glory. He's a unique king. He's unparalleled. He stands head and shoulders above the rest. Have you bowed at his feet? Have you acknowledged he's my king too? Remember Thomas, my Lord and my God? 
Do, do you say because he's king of kings and lord of lords and I'm a subject, I'm under his rule and authority, therefore I live to serve him? It's not just I live to serve the people. I live to serve the prince of heaven, king of kings, lord of lords. When she was given that golden scepter with the orb and the cross, it was said, receive the royal scepter, which is an ensign of kingly power and justice. And remember what we read in Psalm 45, verse 6, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. One final thing. Here's another aspect of the um, symbolism that she received as we rejoice in it, the putting on of the crown. You see, whenever she put on the crown, the congregation said this, God save the queen. And when she put on that crown and the people shouted, God save the queen, the princess and the peers came forward and they did public homage to her as a monarch. I'm told there was over 8,000 at Westminster Abbey at that time. I think from 157 countries. And a great prayer was offered as the crown was put in her head. And this was the prayer. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who of thy great mercy hath promised forgiveness of sins to all them which heartily repent and true faith turn to him, have mercy upon you, Pardon you, forgive you, turn you from all sin, and conform and strengthen you in all goodness and godliness, bringing you to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And at that moment, listen to me as I finish, the following scriptures, Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. John chapter 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And 1 John chapter 2 and 2, And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. These scriptures were read. And you see, I was thinking that one day you too will have to bow the knee, not to Queen Elizabeth II, but to him who is King of kings and Lord of lords. One day he will have that golden crown on his head. I wonder, will you come to him in light of the following scriptures? Because you have already bowed the knee to him as Lord and Redeemer. And you can say to him when you meet him face to face, my Lord and my King. It's our prayer that these gospel texts that I've quoted will come back to not only the Queen's mind, but come right across the country. I wonder how many of our citizens this morning as we finish have a love of Christ first and a love of the country second. I was thinking about the centennial parade at Saturday week ago down in Belfast for the uh, 100th anniversary of the formation of Northern Ireland. We have many cultural unionists amongst our people. But how many have got God at the center? How many attend church on a Sunday? How many read their Bible? 
You see, many don't know God because the Bible's not regarded. The Bible's not been read. Church has not been attended. There's no desire or aspiration for a godly life. And therefore, there's no mindset that I live to serve others. The queen has sacrificed herself for the good of her people because she served the Lord Christ. I wonder when you bow before the Lord Christ, will you hear words, well done, good and faithful servant? Or will you hear those faithful words, depart from me? Ye that work iniquity. In this way, this morning, we honor our faithful queen. May the Lord bless you.